Morning, everybody. So this is the last of our Sundays on the pick and mix. And the pick and mix is uh, a bit like a lucky dip for you, really, because um, you've got no idea what's coming up. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah, Steve was talking about standing up at the front and um, being completely silent. Well, I, I have to tell you that a week ago I was in Australia. Uh, I came back and I thought I ought to remind Debbie who I was, so I, I spent two or three nights with Debbie, and then I went to the States, and I got back from the States yesterday afternoon. So I have no idea what time zone I'm in, and uh, it is very possible that at any point my mind could go completely blank. So if I stand here in complete silence, you'll know why. Okay, so uh, I wanted to start just by reading what will be a really familiar passage to you, really familiar passage. So this is in Matthew chapter 4, and this is when Jesus starts to call the disciples to him. So Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 22. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water. They were fishermen fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John. They were sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets. And he called to them too, come. They immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is choices. Uh, when Steve was planning this series, this kind of pick and mix series, it was quite a long time ago, so it's probably two or three months ago, uh, when he said, you know, just pick something that God puts on your heart. And so I chose this topic quite a long time ago, probably two, two and a half months ago. Um, I didn't realize when I chose it, how relevant it would be for me as well this morning. Uh, but I want to talk about choices, choices we make and choices that God makes as well. Good choices and bad choices. When I was at school, I always wanted to be a vet. I mean, most of you know, some of you won't, most of you know that I am a vet. For as long as I can ever remember, I always, always wanted to be a vet. There was nothing else. Um, and I gave my life to Jesus when I was about 13. So I was a Christian at school. And when it came to the sixth form and studying for my A-levels, for the first time in my life, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a vet. Because as it came towards the A-levels and taking my exams, I felt God might be speaking to me and saying to me, I want you to go to Bible college. So what I actually did when I was supposed to be revising for my A-levels, I didn't do any revision for my A-levels. My parents didn't know this. I was stuck up in my bedroom, sitting at my desk. They thought I was revising for my A-levels. What I was actually doing was reading the Bible. 
and getting into God's Word in a way that I'd, I'd never done before because I really felt that God was calling me to go to Bible college. And a uh, funny thing happened. When I got my A-level results, and I literally did no revision whatsoever for my A-levels, when I got my A-level results, they were good enough to get me into vet school. And that was a weird thing, because getting into vet school wasn't an easy thing. Right? There, there were like 25 or 30 applicants for every place in vet school. You had to get pretty good A-level grades. And I, I did not deserve to get good A-level grades. So that might have been a bad choice on my part, and that might have been God's grace, putting me where he wanted me to be in vet school after all. Or, and I believe more to the point, I believe I was following God's prompting at the time. And I think he grew me as a Christian during that period. But also, it's been a huge encouragement to me because every time I've had questions about where I am and what I'm doing, I can look back to that time and say, well, God put me in vet school, nobody else. <laughs> it wasn't anything I did. So that was a choice. When I got to vet school, I'd had a, an older brother and an older sister who'd been to university. Uh, one up in Scotland, one in Wales. And they'd come home at vacation, and they'd tell me all these wonderful stories about what they were doing at university. You know, the parties they were having, the fun that they were having. Work was never mentioned, not once. They, they were just having a ball at university. And so, having got to vet school, and having gone to university, I, I kind of thought that was it. And I thought, I can just have fun now. So uh, the whole of my first year at university, I, I did very little work. And uh, I was having fun. I was at university, after all, that's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? Have fun. So it got to the end of my first year, and I'd done no work during the whole of the year. And suddenly I realized that uh, there were these end-of-year exams that were going to happen. And if I didn't pass those end-of-year exams, I was going to get kicked out. So I spent two weeks when literally I, I hardly slept. <laughs> I was cramming a year's worth of work into two weeks. I was drinking coffee uh, non-stop, literally through the night. I, I can give you the playlist of, of songs that were on the radio at that time because they're all indelibly printed in my mind. And I had this two weeks of, of panic and fortunately, I did enough to scrape through, and I managed to stay on the course. But that was another choice. It wasn't a very good choice, as it turns out, that one. Should have worked a bit harder right the way through. Trivial example, maybe. But we all live with the consequence of choices, right? Who's ever made a bad choice in their life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all make bad choices, at least sometimes. Some choices are good, some choices are bad. 
maybe right now you are living with the consequences of a bad choice. Maybe right now, maybe there's been a series of bad choices. And you think you're so far down a hole that you can't get out. I don't know. I don't know what your circumstances are. But here's the first thing that I want to say this morning. Bad choices, failures on our part, are an incident, but they are not. They are not our identity. Whatever choices we make, whatever mistakes we make, those don't define who we are. We are not defined by bad choices. We are not defined by failures. Our identity is in Jesus. Nothing else. Jesus said, believe in me, trust in me. I came from the Father. Trust in me, you will be born again. Trust in me, you will become a child of God. You're going to be adopted into my Father's family. You're going to be a son of, or daughter of the living God. The King of Heaven is our dad. It may not always feel like it. Choices we make may have consequences that we have to deal with. But so often, right, we, we live with the unnecessary guilt and burden of those bad choices because we think that that bad choice, that bad decision defines us, but it doesn't define us. That was an incident, not an identity. Your identity is with Jesus. God says, look, look at the cross. Look what I've done for you. Everything is forgiven. Everything is forgotten. You're made new because of Jesus. And don't deny what I've done for you with Jesus dying on the cross. It is hard sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to live in the reality of what God has done for us. I love the story of Peter's denial of Christ. Peter, you know, one of the great disciples. Peter, that man who was ready to lay his life down for Jesus, who said, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'll lay my life down for you, Lord. I will do anything for you. And Jesus, before he was arrested, said to Peter, Tonight, before the cock crows, three times you're going to deny me. I wonder what went through Peter's mind at that point. And then in Luke 22, we read that three people, Peter was sitting in that courtyard after they'd arrested Jesus, and three people came up to him and said, Hey, you, you, 
You were with Jesus, weren't you? You were one of his followers. And after the third man said that, Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And at that very moment, the last word hardly left his lips. A rooster crowed. Just then, the master, Jesus, turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered what the master had said to him. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and he cried and he cried and he cried. That's such a moving passage. Some translations just say Peter wept bitterly. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it was like for Peter at that moment? At that moment after he denied Jesus three times and he looked up and he saw Jesus looking at him. It must have cut him to the bone. And yet, it's Peter who Jesus said, you're the rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. See, even, even that failure was not Peter's identity. That was an incident. And Peter grew through that. And Peter became that rock. And you look at the way God has used so many people. Paul, who was a persecutor of the church. King David in the Old Testament, who made so many mistakes even to the point of having people killed. But God still used them hugely. Because failures and bad choices are incidents, not our identity. Our identity is in Christ. You and I are children of God. second thing I wanted to say is that at times the choices we've made may seem to lead us into a dark place. At times the choices that we have to make are not easy. There's no easy or straightforward way through it. There's no clear path. There's no right or wrong. Sometimes we're faced with difficult decisions, difficult choices, where even though we might seek God's face, it's not entirely clear what the best way forward is. You know, it can be like trying to fight your way through a forest on a dark night or when the fog comes down. We may find ourselves in circumstances where we can be overwhelmed. And that's natural and it's normal. It's nothing to be worried about because Jesus said that's what it's going to be like. 
Jesus said, if you follow me, there are going to be times when it's tough. Through difficulties, through challenges, God matures us and he grows us. And it has to be said that there are some challenges and there are some difficulties that we face in life that this side of heaven, we probably will never know what's going on, what the reason for it was, why we had to go through a period of suffering, why we have to see loved ones or friends suffering. Yeah, it can be tough times. Jesus promised us there would be tough times. And the, the question when those times come up, I suppose, is, do they make us run away from God? Or do they make us turn to God and hang on? And hang on because we can trust him. Psalm 23 speaks directly into times like this. It's a psalm that we are so familiar with, right? Psalm of David that we know so well. Jules read this a couple of weeks ago in the morning meeting. But it's a great psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. You know, wonderful picture of what it means to be led by Jesus, to have Jesus alongside you. Picture of calm and peace. And then David goes on, even though I walk through the darkest valley, the darkest valley, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just wanted to highlight verse 5. Verse 5 is, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. For the people to whom that psalm was written, there would be at least two pictures that would probably come into their mind when they read that verse. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So there was one tradition that if there had been a battle at that time, you'd overcome the enemy and you'd captured the enemy, you might actually have a feast afterwards to celebrate the battle. And quite often, soldiers that have been caught during that battle, they would be tied up on poles in the middle of the feast, the tent where you're having the feast. So they would be made to just stand there tied up against a pole while the rest of them were celebrating the victory. So that's one picture. But the other picture perhaps is in better keeping with the rest of the psalm. 
because there was another tradition at that time. And that was if you were invited by somebody for a meal, if you were invited to the table to share a meal with somebody, you were their guest. That guest had to take responsibility for your safety. It was absolutely their responsibility to keep you safe. You were their guest. You'd gone to their home to have a meal with them. They were responsible for your safety. And maybe that's what David is saying here. You know, we've, we've been invited to a meal with God. Maybe there's even enemies in the same room with us. Challenges, difficulties that we're facing, surrounding us, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But here's the thing. God invited us. And he is going to take care of us. We can trust him. We are guests, sons and daughters of God, sitting at his table, even in the darkest of times. He will take care of us. We can trust him. We have that promise. We may not know what tomorrow brings. We may not know what the next day is going to bring. Whatever our circumstances, whatever your circumstances right now, whatever comes our way, what we do know is the end game, right? Might not know tomorrow, might not know the day after, but we know the end game, and he holds the end in his hand. Nothing is going to take that victory away from him. You are held in his hand. Some of you know, um, not many of you, but some of you know, I'm going through a particularly difficult time at work at the moment. It wouldn't be right to tell you about the details of it. But it's a challenging time, full of uncertainty, if I'm honest, and some decisions and choices that I've made and I still have to make. And I don't know what the consequence of those is going to be. And honestly, it's been really, really hard. It's at times like that when, you know, it's just so valuable to have good, godly people around you that you can talk to. You need to lean on God and trust in Him. I was sharing with the other leaders about what was going on and about the decisions and the challenges and the difficulties. And I don't think she'd mind me saying, but maybe two, three weeks ago, I was talking to them and Hans said, I, I've got a picture for you, which I think is from God. And she said, I, I can just see you reaching up 
and holding on to God's hand. And he's holding your hand and he's saying, I'm here. We don't know the outcome sometimes when we face difficulties. Sometimes it's hard to know the right decision. We lean on God, we trust him. We hold on and we trust. And sometimes, sometimes maybe that's all we can do. Hold on to God and say, I love you, Dad. And I trust you. It reminded me, reminded me of something my dad said to me. Again, many of you know, some of you may not. My, my dad was uh, a Baptist minister. He's retired now. Uh, he's a Baptist minister. He's a great, great man. Really loved my dad. And um, when I was young, when I got back home from school, sometimes he'd take me out on visits that he would make. Visits to members of the church, um, sometimes visits to people in hospital. There, there was one day when we visited this place, Spurgeon's College. It's in, I think it's in South Norwood in, in London. Uh, the reason we went there was because that, that was actually Baptist Training College. So that's where my dad trained. There was somebody he needed to go. I, I, I can't remember who it was. I don't know why we went there, but I can remember my dad took me there. There's only one thing, there's only one thing I can remember about that visit, but it has stayed with me for the rest of my life. Inside Spurgeon's College, when you, you go inside, there's this stairway in the entrance hall, and there's a stained glass window. Stained glass window, somebody holding on to a cross. And those are the words, et tenio, et tenior. And I can remember my dad saying to me, do you know what it means? And I, well, you know, I, I did a year of Latin when I was at school. Um, but my language skills are not very good. And I haven't got a clue what Latin means. So I said to my dad, no. <laughs> and he said, let me tell you what it means. I hold and I am held. I hold and I am held. Can't remember anything else about that visit on that day. But that stuck with me for the rest of my life. Holding, I'm held. And so this is the third thing that I wanted to say this morning. And this perhaps is the most important thing because this is such an amazing truth. Because we might turn to God and we might hold on to his hand. And we might hold on for dear life at times. But the truth is, God holds on to us with a much firmer grasp than we could ever hold on to him. Because God has chosen us. God has chosen you, and he's chosen me. I want to go back just for a minute to that passage that I read to begin with, those few verses from Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus calls the disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John. 
And you know, the, these are stories that we're so familiar with that often we miss the impact of them, don't we? You know, there's Peter and Andrew who are fishing on the shore of Lake Galilee. There's James and John sitting in the boat with their father, mending their fishing nets. This isn't a Sunday afternoon picnic. This is their livelihood. This is what their lives depend on. They're fishermen. They work hard. They have to work hard. And along comes Jesus. He walks along the shore and he passes Peter and Andrew and he says, Hey, want to be fishers of men? Follow me. Can you imagine? Maybe Andrew turns to Peter. What do you say? I don't know. He said to follow him. So they just left. They left their nets. In the middle of fishing, they left their nets and followed him. And can you imagine what Zebedee thought? James and John, father, you know, they're mending the nets in the boat, getting ready for the next fish. Jesus walks past. Hey, guys, come on, follow me. So they just get out of the boat and follow him. Zebedee, left there <laughs> on his own. <laughs> Can you imagine what he might have said? They had a choice to make. Do we follow Jesus or not? But Jesus made the first call, right? Jesus walked up and said, Hey guys, follow me. Later on in John's Gospel, Jesus said to his disciples, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. I chose you. I wanted you. I pointed you. I put you where you are. What was true for each of them is just as true for you and me. Much as we have made a choice to follow Jesus, he first chose us. Each one of us, chosen by God, loved dearly by God. I think this is really important. I want us just to take a minute. I want you to turn to the person next to you, the person, person behind you, the person in front of you. I want you to call them by name. If you don't know their name, ask them what their name is first. <laughs> 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 okay, most of you know each other. <laughs> Turn to the person. Call them by name. Do it meaningfully. Tell them that God loves them. Tell them that God chose them. Will you do that for me now? Just turn to each other. Do it meaningfully. Okay, now you're getting carried away. It is a special feeling to be chosen. It's a special feeling to be chosen. 
It was our wedding anniversary about six weeks ago. 31st wedding anniversary. Uh, I checked. <laughs> Didn't want to get it wrong. <laughs> this is the card that, that Debbie gave me on our wedding anniversary. If I had to choose again, I would still choose you. Nice card. Such a nice card. After 31 years of living with me and my mistakes and my failings and my grumpiness and uh, all the other stuff that makes me me, Debbie still says, I choose you. It's a wonderful thing to feel chosen, to feel special. God says, I've chosen you. I have chosen you. Before you were born, before you were knit together in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before the world was created, I chose you. We are loved by God. Doesn't matter what life throws at us. It doesn't matter if we make bad choices, but bring those bad choices back to the cross of Jesus. If we're walking in dark times, in a deep, dark valley, if we can't see our way out, the maker of heaven and earth, Almighty God, Yahweh, the great I am, the great I am. He says, don't worry, trust in me. I have chosen you. I have chosen you. And if I am for you, there's nothing, nothing you need to fear. His promise is to be with us, always to be with us. He says, I've chosen you. My side of the bargain is assured. You never, ever have to worry about my love and my commitment to you. I am for you. I have chosen you. Whatever happens, nothing is going to stop that. Nothing. So when life gets tough, do we turn away from God or do we turn to him? And just grab a hold of that hand. As Peter put it in his letter, you were chosen, you were chosen by God the Father long ago. He knew you were to become his children. You were set apart for holy living by the Holy Spirit. May you obey Jesus Christ and be made clean by his blood. May you be full of his loving favor and peace. Let us thank the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through his loving kindness that we were born again to a new life and have a hope that never, never dies. 
This hope is ours because Jesus was raised from the dead. We will receive the great things that we have been promised. They are being kept safe in heaven for us. They are pure. They will not pass away. They will never be lost. You have been chosen by God. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. And maybe that's just the one last word to leave you with this morning. Your future is absolutely secure. We know what the end game is. Our future is secure because Jesus died for us and because God raised him to life. And Jesus said, I've chosen you. And now let the adventure begin because I've chosen you that you can go and bear fruit and do good works for me and my Father. So we've got a few weeks over the summer where we're going to rest and refresh. And maybe during that time, just think and reflect. God has chosen you. Your future is absolutely secure. No doubt whatsoever. Whatever you're going through now, your future is totally secure. But if God has chosen you, he's also chosen you to be here. He's chosen you to be a part of this church. He's chosen you to be hands and feet as part of this community. What does he want you to do? What does he want me to do to fulfill that. I'll leave that with you. Amen.